These last few weeks, we've been talking about the importance as we begin the new year of being people of the Word, people being, uh, being into the Word of God, having a relationship. Come closer. I meant to put a piece of tape on the platform here, sorry. Um, being people of the Word, and one of the things we've talked about is how important, as you may recall a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, we looked at a comedian, and we just kind of, uh, you know, took, uh, took what he said and, and applied it spiritually, that for many of us as believers, we kind of know God, we think. We're around Christian things, we you know, hear sermons, we go to Bible, whatever the case may be, but oftentimes we have so much information that we know, but in our hearts we don't know. We don't know Him. So we can be around all this Christian stuff, but until we choose to cultivate a relationship with God in prayer and in His Word, we don't know Him. And oftentimes there's the real blur between knowing and not knowing. And the Lord wants to just get rid of that grayness in our life, and He wants to be able to shine light into our lives through a relationship with Him that actually says, I know God. I know Him. I know His heart. I know His voice. I know what He's saying to me. It doesn't mean there's not times of struggle or questions, but I have a real relationship with God through His Word. In any case, uh, last Sunday, Laura came up. She said, Pastor, can I give a testimony Sunday morning? And, uh, well, sorry, it wasn't quite that way, but you know how it works. If you say something interesting to the pastor, it's going to, you're going to be on the platform. So uh, don't, don't be afraid. No, but... Uh, but uh, it's, it's an area that's very dear to Laura's heart just because of the journey she has been on. Actually, I'll get you to hold this. Uh, the journey that she has been on in just being in the Word. And we're going to be talking about being a student of the Word this morning. And so I just asked her, I said, Laura, do you mind just sharing a couple of things that you share with me? Because I really believe it's rubber meets the road, uh, walk with God kind of stuff. Let me come over here a little closer. That way you can hold under the pulpit here if you don't want to shake or fall over. She's very quiet for those who know her. But in uh, any case, I just want to ask you a couple of questions, and I told her just to relax and not plan anything, but I just wanted to share a little bit. I want to ask Laura a couple of things. One is I want to ask her about just simply her journey toward the Word, just, just how and why the Word has become important. I want to talk to her a little bit, have her little, share a little bit about why it's important for her uh, to have a place uh, where she reads the Word, you know, kind of has a quiet time with the Lord, and also just uh, how the Word of God actually begins to illuminate in our lives uh, and really gets down to the level of our heart. And so it's not games anymore. It's, it's encouraging. It's re- we rejoice in that. But it's not games. The Lord means business. And he really gets into the, the heart of our hearts and begins to change us. So why don't you just begin by telling us a little bit about just kind of the journey that got you even hungry for the word. Um, hi, everyone. Um, I, have, uh, I grew up in church and um, from a, a difficult home life. But I, I always went to church. And so... I'm well versed in, um, I know every hymn I think by heart, you know, I know, I know so many verses, I know how to pray, I know all of that. Um, I got saved at, uh, I think I was little, but I really made a commitment when I was 16, um, totally on fire and um, uh, after God, but um, I, th- I think I was a, a 90% Christian. I um, I love God. I've always loved God. Um, but there's like just pieces of my heart that I didn't go to him for. I put other things first, you know. Um, like, like God reveals idols in our life, like turning to food. Um, turning to, uh, you know, we have to go to the gym. We have to spend time socializing or, um, and just not giving God my... my um, like a hundred percent, and um, and so you know we've journeyed along, and we've had a, a Christian walk with the Lord, and you know I married a Christian, and um, 
but he wasn't real. I mean, he was real to me. I don't even know how to explain it. He was real to me, but keeping little parts of my heart, not giving him my all. I've always read my Bible, but I've been in Bible studies. I've, um, but I think the passion for reading my Bible wasn't there and uh, the importance of it. Uh, and, you know, I would, I, would, I would read 10 minutes, 15 minutes, sometimes half an hour, but if I went a few days without reading, it's okay. Um, God still loves me. I'm good. Um, and I've discovered that I can't now live without it. I, I, um, we went through a very difficult, um, I mean, I've had a hard life, and you keep thinking oh, it's going to get easier and easier, and poof, this last two years has um, really uh, broken me, done me in loneliness like I never felt, and um, my baby getting the same disease as me, and my marriage struggling, and our finances since we moved here, and... Um, um, I mean, for those that don't know, we moved here on one salary, and 10 days into our move, my husband ripped his shoulder on the trains, and so was off work for a year and a half, and uh, like dreams just gone, and lonely, and, and but I thank God now for that loneliness, because um, I feel like he, he handpicked those trials for us, and, and what we were going through to, to bring my heart back to him 100%. Um, and um, so I, uh, in, in the fall, I really thought, okay, I need God to fix this, and I don't know how to fix anything, and I think I'm good, but obviously I'm not. I'm falling apart here. I look smiley and happy, but I'm falling apart, so um, I, uh, I started calling out to God for help, and, and I really felt him show me that I needed to spend time in his word every day. And so when I first started, Jean, he put, um, he put a desk in our room for me, a little table in my room, so that I had a de dedicated space. And um, it was trying to form a habit, trying to form, okay, if I can do this for 21 days, God will make this a habit. It was, it was very uh, regimented because it wasn't natural for me to want to spend that much time. You know, I'd rather watch TV. I'd rather go for coffee. I'd rather, you know, anything. Not anything. It's not that God was not wanted, but he just was, he wasn't my first um, desire. And, um, and I loved him, so it's hard to explain. But um, as I started reading and really seeking him, um, he, uh, I, th I think he revealed to me uh, strongholds in my life and, and that 10% that I wasn't giving to him, that 10% that I just kind of kept for me, I still worried, I still panicked, I still, I still had my little sins, my little, you know, things that you don't think are a sin, but really, anything that comes in front of God is a sin, we're not to have any idols, we're not to have, God's supposed to be first, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. like, how do I feel about all of my church family, how do I feel, I mean, sometimes it feels like we're nicer to the homeless guys on the street than our actual brothers and sisters in Christ, and, um, I'm their hands, they're their feet, or vice versa, whatever, and, like, do we ignore people when we walk by them, do we, you know, and I feel God checking me for, um, for all of the little sins now, all the time, um, big sins happen, and, you know, we fall prey to some of them, but I feel like if I'm in check every day with God, the big sins don't happen, because he gets me right away on the little ones, the bad attitudes, the pieces of my heart I'm not giving up for him, 
And um, so as I started studying, you know, I would study my little bit. I thought, I'd heard so many people say, start your day off in prayer. Okay, I'll do that. And like I followed all these kind of rules. And as I've spent time with them, there's a hunger that's grown that I never had. And I've been saved for so many years. And um, I now start my day off praying and reading my Bible. I can't get enough. I am through the day I'm reading it. The only panic in my house now is where's my Bible? Did Leah walk off with it? Um, and, uh, but it's been a difficult road. It's been a hard year, um, this studying, because, you know, you think reading the Bible is fantastic. It's God speaking to us. Great. First thing he did for me was convict me of every little thing in my heart. So a lot of tears over reading my Bible. And, um, and uh, I got down to the basics. Like, I wrote the Ten Commandments on my fridge because we ignore them. We think, okay, I didn't kill anybody, I'm good. I didn't smoke drugs, I'm good. I, I didn't rape anybody, I'm okay, I'm not going to rape. But I didn't, I didn't do any of the That's bad. a revised version, in case you're wondering. <laughs> the Ten Commandments is amplified. <laughs> but um, I, think, I think I'm good because I didn't do any of the big ones that I knew of. But when you look at the meaning God put into them, did I hate somebody in my heart? Did I... Did I lust after food instead of, did I covet, did I want that bigger house? Did I, all these little sins that I hadn't realized were, were there. And, um, and so as I'm reading, it's been so convicting of, like every, I'm, I'm crying all the time because, you know, I wanna go to bed every night and think, okay God, did I please you today? Are you happy with my heart today? I have to stand before you one day and I don't wanna hear you say to me, you went to the gym instead of spending time in the Word because that was more important to you than I was. And um, there's a verse in Hosea where God, he says, and she forgot me. And I don't want to be that girl that forgets our God. Um, he gave up his son for us and we forget him. We put TV, we put going to a movie in front of him. You know, we can work out for an hour and a half, but 10 minutes is enough in the Word a couple times a week. And um, I don't want to stand before him and have him say, like, where was I in your life? Was I, I loved you, God. I raised my kids, and we went to Sunday school, and we said grace, and I, pr and I knew my verses, and I could pray, but were you really first in my life? And um, so I went through a lot of conviction about a um, whole bunch of areas, and I, I think I'm kind of not done with conviction, but I've, I've, I've worked through all the big stuff in my heart. And so now when I do a little something or I think a wrong thought, the Spirit's at me quickly now. It's, I feel it right away. I can't, I can't sleep. I can't. Um, Let me ask you this, Laura, because yeah. you were saying, like Hebrews says, the Word of God is a sword that gets right down yeah, to our heart. It's awful. talked about that. Um, somebody might be listening and think, well, it sounds like she's under a lot of condemnation or it sounds like, you know, but... Is there a new freedom that you're finding? Like, is there a difference in the freedom? I, um, so I went through these few months of horrible condemnation over so many things. Um, and now there's just joy. There's just, um, like, I know when God speaks to me now. And, and his word, it's full of, I really feel like I get closer to God by obeying God. Um, the more obedient I am to his word, and the word is full of commands, and but as I obey him, I see how he delights in me, and I see him blessing me with little, little things. You know, nothing's, not everything is working out. I still have arthritis. My baby still has it. And, but, but, like, I see little blessings he leaves for me. And um, there's such a peace, and there's such a, I know his voice. I know his voice. And I know that he, he, he wrote that Bible for me. Uh, the Old Testament is so relevant to me now, like it's never been. 
You know, we used to think, oh, Old Testament, you know, out with the old and with the new, and we only studied the New Testament and, you know, freedom in Jesus and, and all of that. But um, <laughs> I don't mean it to be funny. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just see how the whole, the whole Bible is, whole is word, so yeah. relevant, and it's God's love story to us. And it's, it's God giving us these, these, these rules for us to be happy and to be full. And, and I'm finding in obedience, when I'm obedient every day and I spend time in the Word, I'm like full. I, I, my marriage has like never been smoother ever, just from me obeying and just from me reading my Bible. Um, I just, there's, he creates such a desire for his Word. Like the words are jumping. I understand verses now like I never understood. Um, you're preaching and I think, I just studied that all week. Like am I, I'm really hearing from God now. Like, or you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Wonderful. That's our appreciation. <laughs> Actually, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> I got to get into the Word. Was that a wonderful testimony? What the Lord wants to do? Okay, don't go away. Don't go away. I just want to. I just want to pray for Lord. I just want to pray for. Let's bow our hearts. Heavenly Father, just thank you for your daughter. I thank you, Lord, that your word has come alive to her. I thank you, as she has said, Lord, for her passion to obey. And as you have promised, Lord, you said you will reveal those who love your word and obey your commands. You will reveal yourself to them. And I thank you've done that. And Father, we just pray, continue to walk with her in her journey. Lord, as deep calls unto deep, bring her to places she never imagined. And Lord, let your anointing and the power of your word, your sword, flow through her life every single day, Lord God. We just bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Great job. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That was a great word. Well, like I said, we've been speaking about the word, the importance of the word uh, these last few weeks, and uh, this morning is not really a profound message, but I, I felt the need in a very practical way to talk about, well, how do we study the word? We've been talking about the word, getting the word into our life, and so how do we actually become, as the PowerPoint says, how do we actually become a student of the Word? How do some of these things actually begin to happen in our life uh, that, that Laura shared this morning? You know, Sunday after Sunday, um, what I really try to do is prepare a meal for God's people. Uh, one of my philosophies in ministry has always been that on a Sunday morning, you're not preaching to a bunch of cabbage heads, you know? It's not just people out there uh, who are just put in a service. I, I always feel nobody has to be here on a Sunday morning. Nobody has to come to church, and so it's my responsibility to work in the kitchen, you might say, and prepare a meal that you can feed on, that you can actually have something to take with you through the week, or that opens your heart to what God is saying, or a hunger for the Word. Uh, this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. I actually want to take you into the kitchen and, and show you just how to begin to create a meal for yourself uh, as, as people of God, how you can actually begin to feed yourself, which is really what it's all about. Because the reality is there aren't too many people who are doing that anymore today, who, aren't, who are feeding themselves. And the main reason, as Laura touched on, I believe, is because of distractions. You know, we're told statistically that our young people today read on an average about four minutes a day. And that's, that means anything. It could be school no, you know, notes or whatever, about four minutes a day. But we know how much time is often spent on video games. 
Uh, 65% of the population today in North America own at least three televisions, if not more. And the average person watches about three hours to three and a half hours a day, which means that if you live to be 65, 70 years of age, you will have sat in front of the TV for nine and a half years. Let that sink in, nine and a half years. Imagine some of the things you could learn, some of the hobbies, the disciplines, how many languages you could speak, whatever it may be, of just giving even a large portion of that time to something that was even more worthwhile. Um, of course, TV is not the only distraction. The average person will spend three and a half hours on their computer in some kind of social media way. And, and again, these are not necessarily bad things, but they do compete with us spending time with God and spending time in His Word. It's not we can't do any of these things, but we all know how easy it is just to veg. We all know what it is to come home from work and feel like, you know, I just don't want to have to think. I don't want to whatever. And so on goes the TV or the computer, whatever the case may be. Our text today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want to read this from the uh, J.B. Phillips translation. Uh, uh, New Testament, J.B. Phillips. He puts it this way. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the faith and correcting error, for resetting the direction of a man's life and training him in good living. Why? The Scriptures are the comprehensive equipment of the man of God and fit him fully for all branches of his work. The purpose of studying God's Word, of course, is not just to gain more knowledge. That is not the end purpose of studying the Bible. It is to give us a comprehensive understanding. It's to help us be able to really know how to function in every area of life, as God has said, not just get by, but actually to thrive, to be blessed in areas, to, be, to find freedom in those areas, to not become enslaved by a world spirit, a world culture that is always trying to do that, but in the midst of all the lies and all the grayness of our culture, that we have truth, we have light, we know what to do, even if we're going against the flow. And so the Lord wants us to understand, for example, how to run our finances. He shows us in His Word. He wants us to know how to lead our family. He wants us to understand the meaning of life. Why? So that not only we live life to the full, but we can be that example to folks around and show them what life is about. It's been said that the Bible, the, the, the letters in the Bible are an acrostic for basic instructions before leaving earth. Now that sounds kind of cute. I don't know how realistic that is because I kind of like having basic instructions while I'm living on earth. It's not just getting prepared for heaven, it's, it's, it's letting heaven invade my life and actually, uh, you know, living out the kingdom uh, in this world that so desperately needs to see the reality of God. And so everything we need for this life is revealed to us by God in the scriptures. So that's why we have to have a good grip on the word of God. We have to have a good grip on the scriptures. Ephesians 6.17 refers to God's word as the sword of the spirit. It's a sword that, friends, we've got to learn how to use. We've got to know how to use the Word of God. We've got to believe the Word of God, obey the Word of God, step out where the Word of God is challenging us, and let, it, let God prove His Word to us so it's not just in our head. Because Paul says to the Ephesians that we need to resist evil in its day of power. And I want to suggest to you that we are living in a day where evil is demonstrating its power. Not only in sin and moral things, but in attitudes, dysfunction, brokenness, all the different things that we see around us today, evil is demonstrating power. And God is looking for a people through whom he can show his power, that people who are bound by, by the powers of darkness can actually see there's hope. There's an option. There's, there's a difference. There's a people who actually know a way out of this. 
You will never win a sword fight unless you have a good grip on the sword. And one of the challenges today in the body of Christ is that most believers do not have a grip on God's word. They don't have a grip on the sword. They are sitting ducks when it comes to spiritual warfare. In fact, just going by Barner Research, a, a research company in the United States, if I was to ask to stand in a group this size this morning, if I was to ask to stand those who have a regular time in the Word of God, this may not be totally true of us, but statistically in the North American Evangelical Church, if I was to ask to stand those who have a regular time in the Word and in prayer, out of this crowd this morning, about eight people could honestly stand. Statistically, that's the reality in the North American church today. About 2% or even less have a regular time uh, in the Word of God. So how do we get a good grip on the Word of God? We have a little picture here I want to show as we move through. We have a sword, and you can see that this sword is being held by just a pinky. How effective do you think that will be? See, that's what comes to my mind when I think of the first thing, which is we hear the Word of God. And it's wonderful to hear the Word of God, and we're blessed to live in a country that we can hear the Word of God freely. But if that is the extent of your equipping, the extent of your training, then spiritually, that's about how strong you are. You may know a few Bible verses. You may know some stories. You may be able to quote some, some points from a sermon that you heard. But the reality is you are not going to win any battles. We also need not only to hear the word, the second finger, we also need to read God's word. And that's why we've been saying the last few weeks, shoot for seven, hit five. Because you need to shoot for every single day of the week to have time in the Word and time with the Lord in prayer. But even if you hit five, don't be discouraged. Consider it a success because that essentially is five times more than most believers. Plus, it's helping you to start to become a self-feeder. Now, if you look at our website, for example, go on the homepage, under, under the tab, What We Believe, uh, you will find listed there on our, on our website 10 core values that we really use as markers or targets or priorities for ministry direction here at Glad Tidings. The fifth value reads as follows. You can bring it up. I don't know if you'll see it, but you can see the website. It says this. We see a church where it is normal for people to take ownership of their own spiritual growth and become reproducing followers of Jesus Christ. We see a church. That's one of our goals, where every single person who calls Glad Tidings their home is at a place where they are taking responsibility for their spiritual growth and not just expect to be fed by somebody else. So we need to hear God's word. It's important. Read God's word. But you don't really begin to experience spiritual growth until you actually study God's word. Studying God's word is where you actually begin to find treasures for yourself. You find nuggets. You find things that God is speaking to you. It's one thing for me to preach and you be encouraged, and that's good, being built up. But it's also, as we shared last week, it's called secondhand revelation. There's nothing like you reading something for yourself where God's word becomes true to you. You experience a firsthand revelation, and you become excited by something that you found. Now, what do you do with treasure? If you find a treasure, do you go, well, that's really cool. That's a beautiful treasure. That's worth a lot of money, and then go on your way. You don't do that. You pick it up. You hold on to it. Why? Because you know that treasure can make a difference in your quality of life. Whether you invest it, whether you use it, it is treasure that is there for you. So we need to study the Word of God. Now, how do you actually treasure the Word of God? 
Well, you don't just hear it, you don't just read it, but you begin to actually memorize the Word of God. You get the Word of God inside of you. You commit it to your memory so that you don't lose it. Now, I know this morning some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, I just can't memorize anything. Listen to me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is a diabolical lie. No, Pastor, you don't know me. I can't memorize. Listen, I could, I, you, could, you could list off songs, couldn't you? If I was to mention maybe some contemporary songs today, you would know the lyrics off by heart. Why? Because you've heard them over and over again. That's all memorization is. Over and over again, meditating the Word of God, getting inside of you, memorizing the Word of God so He has something to use. So whatever it may be, every one of us here this morning have thousands of bits of information that we can recall. Why? Because God has given us memories. Now, some may memorize easier than others, but the fact is, if it's worth the work, worth doing rather, it's worth the work, and you actually can memorize. Now, what I would encourage you to do if you're studying the Word of God is just take a verse that has stood out to you, and you may just look at memorizing one verse a month. Doesn't that sound ambitious? I'm going to memorize one verse a month. Now, I can list off all my favorite TV shows, and I can tell you jokes I've heard a thousand times, but I'm going to memorize one verse. Well, over the period of 10 years, if you do that even once a month, you will have memorized 120 verses in the Bible that the Holy Spirit can draw on at any given time in your life. So if you want to start small, start with one a month, but get the Word of God into you. Begin to memorize the Word of God. You may all have verses that come to your mind. Uh, that the Holy Spirit can draw on from time to time. How many have had the experience where uh, you just had a verse come to mind, even a part of a verse, but it's helped you to make a decision, or it's helped you to resist something, or to do what you ought to do, or reminded you to do something? Um, I was reading in Proverbs in my devotion, in, uh, I think it was Proverbs 18, talked about the fact that do good to others when it is in the power of your hand to do it. In other words, don't wait. If you have the ability to do that, then do that. And then I had somebody call that day and ask for help, and it wasn't a convenient time for me. I didn't want to do it. But guess what happened? Scripture comes to mind. Yeah, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> no, Scripture comes to mind. The Holy Spirit says, hey, remember what, I, remember what you read? Okay, let's put it into practice, okay? So we need to memorize the Word of God. And then the final thing I have to do to actually be a student of the Word, to have a firm grip on the Word of the Spirit, is to meditate on what I have read or what I've committed to memory. The beautiful thing about meditations, the old analogy that's oftentimes used is like a cow. You know, the cow eats all this grass and it's got like three or four stomachs, whatever, and when it's finally sitting down and not doing anything and being left alone, the old stomach brings a little bit of that, of that grass back up and it goes in the cut and it just chews and chews and chews and gets all the nutrients. Well, meditation's kind of like that. Meditation's like, like taking a prism. You know, you take a little prism and you hold it up in this ray of light and you just have these hundreds of beams of light and colors that begin to shine. It's beautiful. And meditation is the same way. It is taking a scripture and just chewing on it, thinking about it, memorizing, thinking about it. And as you do that, you begin to discover just these multifaceted truths that come into the scripture. I like what Laura said, just the fact that you get into the word that I'm actually able to understand the Bible. I'm able to stand, understand it more and things I didn't understand before, things that I kind of went over quickly are now popping out at me. So just keep those five things in mind that will give you a good grip on the Word of God. Let me ask you this morning, and, and just in your own heart, answer yourself, do you have a grip on God's Word? 
Do you have a grip on God's Word? Does God's Word actually come to bear in your life? I've shared this before, but one of the frustrations I find in pastoral ministry is I'm not a counselor in the sense of a therapist or a psychologist. All I can do is counsel you according to the Word of God or just practical experience, things I've gleaned over the years, and you can do what you want with it. But I'll tell you this, if you're not going to take the Word of God and apply it to your life, then you're wasting my time. Don't call me. Don't come see me. I don't want to talk to you. You're wasting my time. You see, you can pay a therapist 100 bucks an hour if you want to get coddled, if you want to get whatever. But if you want truth as a child of God, the Word of God will speak, as Laura said, he'll go right to your heart. He doesn't mess around. He doesn't let you off the hook. He shows you what sin is. He'll show you where the problem is. And he'll also give you grace and show you the way out. He'll show you how to walk. But you've got to decide whether or not you're going to submit to it. And if you will, his word is full of living power. You see, the problem is, I remember one old guy who shared many, many years ago, I can't remember his name now, but at a marriage conference, he said, you've got a choice. He said, either you die or your marriage dies. It's, it's just that simple. As the Lord shows you things that have to change in your heart to release life in your relationship, if you won't do that, over time your relationship is probably going to die. But if you will die, if you allow the Lord you obey what the Lord has shown to you, even though you can't imagine how it's going to happen, His Word begins to free you, change you, and as you begin to change, the, the atmosphere begins to change, and your Christ-likeness actually begins to release things in another person's life, and God can work wonderful miracles. So we need to get a grip on the Word by becoming students of the Word. Now, I wanted to share some practical things, kind of go through them quickly, and this might be old hat for some of you. If it is, just you know, pick out stuff that you don't, re that you don't do. Maybe you have to uh, remind yourself to do. Habits get back into. Or this may be new for some of you, but I'm just keeping it simple. Um, as we go through, how do I get a grip on the Word of God? How to become a student of the Word? First thing I believe you have to do if you ha is you have to choose the right time. You have to choose the right time. If you don't set a time aside to be alone with God, it's probably not going to happen. And if you don't have a time alone with God, you're not going to be a student of the Word. And I'll go so far as to say this. If you're not going to be a student of the Word, you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Is that too harsh? Because I think Jesus said something about that a few different times. You know, if you love me, if you love my Word, if you obey my Word, I'll reveal myself. You are mine. I know my sheep. They know my voice. On and on it goes. So, you see, we need to be students of the Word if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be studying the Word of God. You have to be intentional enough to actually pick a time to be with the Lord. If you don't, how many have found this? Then you'll always plan to get around to it, but there'll always be something else, whether important or not, that will take your time, and you won't grow in any kind of consistent way. Now, for some of you, the best time may be first thing in the morning. And it doesn't mean that you crawl to bed and open the Bible. It might mean that you get up maybe a half hour earlier or 45 minutes earlier and you grab a shower or maybe you, you know, put the coffee on, whatever you need to get you awake, and then you have your quiet place in the house, whatever it is, but you pick a time, and for you, maybe that best time is in the morning where you can hear God speak to you. Maybe for somebody else, just the season you're in in life, your quiet time is when you're at work at lunch hour. You know, maybe you've got an office, you can close the door, you've got some place in the building you can go, or if it's summertime, you can go outside, whatever it is, but you just find a time where you can read the Word of God while you're having your lunch, and God speaks to you there. Whatever time works best for you, it might even change with each season of your life. But if you don't have a time, 
I can pretty much say it's not going to happen. So when is your time? When is your time? Because that's really where it all begins. That's where life change begins. You need to choose the right time. Second, you need to choose the right tools. There's a few uh, practical study aids that can really help you go a little bit deeper in the Word of God. One thing uh, you really need, I believe, is a good study Bible. A good study Bible. I use the ESV. It's about four inches thick, as Mike Warnke used to say. It's big enough to choke a mule. About four inches thick. And uh, it's just got, you open it up, it's got uh, commentator notes. And that's an important thing, too, as you're looking for a good study Bible, is make sure the commentator's notes are kind of in line theologically, uh, the evangelical or your Pentecost, whatever the case may be, uh, so that you kind of get a sense that you're getting a, a good light on different topics, especially regarding the Holy Spirit. But find yourself a good study Bible. You'll have uh, cross-reference notes there. You'll have Bible maps. You'll, you'll just have lots of good information. And can I tell you, one of the most underutilized parts of your Bible, yet one of the most important, especially if you have a study Bible, is the introduction to each book. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but, but how many people actually take time to read that? You really need to read that. If you have a Bible that lays out, you know, just gives you an overview of that book you're going to read, take some time and read that because it will give you a big picture of what that book is about before you actually delve into it. So you need a good study Bible. Another important thing in the study Bible is the commentator's notes might be really interesting and, and shed a lot of light on Scripture, but don't give the same authority to the commentator's notes that you give to the Word of God. That might sound like a, a, you know, a, a simple thing to say, but it's true. You need to understand that, that those uh, commentator notes, that they can give you some clarification on something that you're reading, but it's the Holy Spirit who gives you illumination as you read your word himself. That's why John said that you have an anointing yourself as a follower of Christ that remains. You don't need anybody else to teach you. The Holy Spirit will teach you. You might say, why am I coming to church? Well, there's, you know, we obviously can learn here and be encouraged with each other, but the Lord has things he specifically wants to speak to you because odds are of all the things you're going to go through, when you're going to go through them in the course of the year, for the, say, 40, 45 times that I'm preaching, I may not hit them all the time. You need a word in season oftentimes for where you are that day or that week or what the Lord knows is coming ahead for you and he wants to give you something. So allow the word to illuminate your heart, and you can do that through using the right tools, and a good place to start is a study Bible. Another thing you need under the tools is a good reading Bible. What I mean by that is just a simple version, maybe a modern version, easy read version, that will shed some extra light on what it is that you are, that you are reading. Now, two things you should understand about Bibles, about Bibles, number one, is there's a difference between a translation and a paraphrase. A translation is a Bible that has been interpreted from the original biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek, or original manuscripts, at least as close as we can get. A translation is taken directly from those manuscripts or those original languages. A paraphrase, on the other hand, is a rewording of an existing translation. So it would be like me taking an English Standard Version, reading a, a verse, and then kind of putting my own Pattison paraphrase, me rewording what that scripture is saying. 
That's not a bad thing. It's good to have that because I'll do the same thing. I'll read through Scripture. I, I use the English Standard Version. Uh, the ESV is my study Bible. But then I'll read the New Living Translation or I'll read the Good News Bible Translation. Some of these paraphrases just to kind of shed some modern uh, lingo or understanding on that Scripture. Um, this is important as well. Don't assume just because a Bible translation or wording just because it's informal or it's contemporary, that that means it's a paraphrase. Just go online, look it up, or it will tell you, okay? Because not everything that, that's, that's kind of modern English is necessarily a paraphrase. For example, how many are familiar with the Message Bible? The Message Bible. Well, many people read that and assume it's a paraphrase because it's just modern English, but it's actually not. Uh, Eugene Peterson uh, actually went to the original languages when he wrote uh, the message translation, first the New Testament, then he did the Old Testament a number of years later, but it is an actual translation. So there's nothing wrong with a paraphrase-sounding Bible, but for study, your main study Bible ought to be a translation, okay? For reasons of doctrine, reasons of, of greater precision, it's very important that it be a translation. Uh, also, and I just want to throw this in here, some people mistakenly believe that because there are so many versions of the Bible that that somehow compromises the message. You ever get that argument thrown at you? Well, what do you believe? There's so many different versions. The number of versions actually lends to the strength of the word. It lends to the clarification and the precision of the word. The reason why there are so many Bible translations is not because everybody's doing their own thing and they're all telling different messages. They're, they're communicating the same message, but they've been written to different generations. They've been written to different age groups, different demographics of society, different reading levels. They've all been written to different audiences. So it's, it's, it's clarifying or preaching the same message. That hasn't changed, but just the difference is in the wording. Does that make sense? In the vernacular. For example, on this next chart you'll see the King James Bible. Now, this is the Bible that the Apostle Paul used, right? We all know that. He didn't. Some of you are going, yeah. No, he didn't. It was written in 1611. How many believe we speak slightly different in 2017 than they did in 1611? Yeah, a little bit different. In fact, I, I can't even read the King James anymore. I, I try, I'm not, not against it. Don't get me wrong. If you like that, you like that. It's fine. But I remember I was in a Bible study. And that's all they had. And I was just tripping over myself reading out loud. I just was not used to the, the old English anymore. But so you have an idea here that the, the grade level is around grade 12 and higher. The American Standard, you can see it there. We come down to the New International Version, written in 1978. Well, even 40 years ago, there's still some different lingo, different way of saying things, different words mean different things. 1978, that was written for a, a reading level of, of grade 7. New King James, you can see all the way down to the New Century, grade 3. The Message Bible, grade 4. English Standard, grade 11 or 12 and higher. So again, the idea that there are many versions, many translations, does not compromise the message. What's the purpose? They're saying we want different translations and versions wording so that everybody can understand the message. Everybody can get the word of God. So just in case somebody throws at your face one day, you have an answer for them. Regarding Bible translations, C.S. Lewis, I think, put it best when he said this. You can't translate something once and be done with it because language is a changing thing. Every generation has the obligation to retell these amazing stories for their own day. So can I encourage you, if you, have, you may not even care, but sometimes you know you get, like there's always conspiracy theorists, 
You know, you'll get these articles, why the King James is the best and why the NIV is heretical. You know, some say the NIV stands for a nearly inspired version, uh, you know, rather than New International, whatever. You know, you'll get these crazy articles. Friends, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. A paraphrase serves its own reason for just a nice Bible reading book. Uh, study Bibles from the transcripts, original transcripts. You're going to have some difference in, in, in words that are used because of vernacular, but it's the same message. Don't get your knickers in a knot because somebody says you have, did I say not? Is that okay? Um, because someone is espousing a certain translation. Just get whatever you've got to read. If you have to start with a cartoon Bible, get the Word of God in you somehow. Begin to be a student of the Word. So you need a good study Bible, you need a good reading Bible, and also a Bible handbook is very good. A Bible handbook very simply contains notes on different subjects in the Bible. It'll also give you a summary of different books. It'll give you a summary of the contents of, of each chapter, for example. So that's, that's a nice idea, a Bible handbook. Um, I didn't list these other ones. I don't have a picture, but you know you can get a Bible dictionary is good if you want to look up certain words. You can get an exhaustive Bible concordance. Most of us, if you look in the back of your Bible, you'll have maybe eight or ten pages where you can look up certain words. Well, an exhaustive concordance, of course, will give you every word in the Bible and where it's found. So that's a good study aid as well. I find the best thing in this day and age, though, of course, some still prefer the books, I, I find just a good Bible software program. It, it just it covers everything. You know, at a push of a button, you've got hundreds of books. I've got a library right now of about 33,000 books and every kind of possible, whatever the case may be. And to be honest with you, a lot of times I don't, I don't, I don't nearly use it uh, in the way that it could be used. Because a lot of times, just God will speak to you by just reading the scripture and allowing him to bring things to mind and open the word of God to you yourself. But these, uh, these can be some great aids. Now, I've also found that some of the best tools that you can have for your Bible study is just simply a set of pencils, and some highlighters. Just open the Word of God and use a pencil, use a highlighter. Now, I grew up in a tradition where you didn't write in your Bible. I don't think they hold that so much today. But I was telling Pastor Christian, I actually still cannot lay something on my Bible. I don't know if that's superstitious or reverence, whatever the case may be. I just can't do it. I don't want to lay something on the Bible. The only thing I can lay in the Bible is another Bible. You know, I, I remember once in a while I got to catch myself because I watched the news or something and, and you know, had the remote in my hand to go to lay it down. Oop, can't put it on my Bible. So again, that might sound superstitious um, unless it's something good. Like I said, you know, but in any case, that's for what it's worth. But um, so we have different traditions, but what I have found is that if you want to be a student of the Word, if you want things to stick, you want to remember things that stand out to you so that you can actually begin to impact your life, then it's good to have maybe a color code. Some people underline things in red that deal with salvation, underline it in blue, has to do with the promise of God for me, yellow if it's prophecy. I know some people that will, you know, draw a little pitchfork if it's about the devil or if it's about, you know, the works of darkness. Whatever, you know, whatever gets you, gets you going, whatever gets you into the word, that's great. Let me give you a couple. Is this too practical? I hope, I don't know, it doesn't sound, I know I'm not shouting and spitting, but, you know, hopefully this will um, kind of get into the word so that you can start shouting and spitting yourself. Um, Another real good practical thing I find is just to have a notebook on hand to record some of the things the Lord is saying to you. We've talked about journaling. I have a notebook that I have in my office that I'll use in my own study time. And it's just things that God is saying to me. But also, if I'd encourage you to do this, if you just have a simple dollar store notebook, little binder, whatever, start writing down things you don't understand. You know, something you read in the scripture, what does that mean? How often times do you do that and just go on? 
what you need to do is kind of park there. It may not mean that you find the answer at that moment, but take your notebook, write it down. Why is this? Why does the Bible say whatever? And then when you do have some free time, come back to it. Maybe you know, look online or talk to a Christian friend or dig deeper in the Scripture. But that's how you actually begin to break open the Word. That's where you begin to actually begin to smell bread cooking. When you get into the Word and you start breaking down things you understand and begin to learn. Also, um, you can use a section of your notebook to write down verses you want to memorize. It's always great when you learn to write out Scripture. That helps you to retain it a little bit more. And then also look at writing down some of your own insights. Why not start your own commentary? Just things the Lord is showing you. I remember when we were in Cuba last year. I should have known better. I brought a couple sermons for the service that I knew I was supposed to speak at. But there were two or three times as well where the pastor or the leader said, well, uh, Paul, would you mind, you know, we're in the service, we're going somewhere. Would you mind just bringing a thought for 10 minutes on something? Well, all I had to do was just open my little journal. I just had to open my notebook. And there I had fresh things that I was just writing down for my own devotions that I was able just to use. It was fresh. It was real to me. And, uh, and the Lord could use that. And he'll do the same with you. You'll discover if you start writing down things the Lord is showing you, you'll discover and be amazed how often the Lord will bring that up in your conversation with somebody even that day or that week. You'll be absolutely amazed. Anybody find that? Anybody find you had an opportunity to minister or somebody in the office has a question or you get into some religious conversation, whatever, and it just starts coming to mind? It just so happened you read this morning or you read that week or you jotted it down so you didn't forget. Okay, so we need to choose uh, a good study Bible. We need to choose a good reading Bible. And thirdly, we'll get through this quickly, we need to choose the right place. The right place. Uh, Laura touched on that this morning. It said the average Christian family has five Bibles in their home. And yet, when we go to read the Bible, we can't find one. And that's because we don't typically have a place where the Word of God is, uh, not even on a bookshelf sometimes. But if you have a place where you always go, uh, your Bible is going to be there, your Bible study tools are going to be there, and you're ready to go. And that place is going to change from, from season to season. As I mentioned earlier, you may even find in the summertime, you go out in the back deck or out in the backyard, whatever the case may be. But the question is, do you have a place where you meet the Lord on a regular basis. Very important to have that place. And then number four, choose the right plan. Choose the right plan. Won't take a lot of time on this. There's reams of stuff you can find online. If you already have a plan, stick with, what, with what's working for you. But if you don't have a plan, I want to encourage you to find one. If you're going to be a student of God's word, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, if you're going to grow, you've got to find a system of study that gets you out of your comfort zone that gets you out of the books that you normally read or don't read. I, I like what Laura said about the Old Testament coming alive. Friends, if you're a child of God, you won't know the heart of God unless you read the Old Testament. You won't fully appreciate Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and what it all means unless you know the whole Old Testament of what he actually came to fulfill. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't have the same impact. So you need to get into a system that will expose you to the whole counsel of God and not just a few pet topics that you might enjoy. Now, you can find a number of Bible uh, study plans online. Uh, most of us know Rick Warren or know the name, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, and so on. His first book was actually called Rick Warren's Bible Study Methods. You can get it on Amazon. I think you can even download a free PDF if you like. Uh, the first method that Rick mentions in, uh, is the devotional study method. He puts, he's got 12 there. You can pick one that you like if you want to look at something like that. Like I say, there's other ideas online. But in the devotional study method, it has four parts. He says, pray, read, meditate. Meditate just means kind of ask those questions and apply. 
Pray, read, meditate, and apply. You know what's amazing is how the Word comes alive. If you'll even just take some time to pray before you read, I hope you do. When you open the Word, just open your heart to say, Lord, just show me what you want to show me today through your Word. And you know what? I've never had a time when God hasn't answered that prayer because He's anxious to talk to us. He's anxious to teach us new things. It's also good to change your study plan once in a while to keep things fresh, but here's the goal. The goal is always application. It's not just being creative. It's not just getting your Bible marked up so it looks impressive when you're in a Bible study and you open it up and get all these nice colors. It's about application. I once heard somebody say that interpretation without application is abortion. Interpretation without application is abortion. What I mean by that theologically is that if you read the Word of God, God speaks to you, get the Word of God inside, what is happening? God is impregnating you with truth. God wants to birth something from you, from what He's shown you. He wants life to come. His Word is full of living power. And so He wants something to come out of what you've read in the Word. But if you never apply it, then eventually you're going to lose what He has given to you, and you're also going to begin to come up with your own theology that accommodates disobedience and unbelief. And really, a lot of theology, which is really understanding God, the heart of God, and relation with Him, a lot of theology in the North American churches today, from the average believer, it's just opinion. It's all it is. Uh, there's very few people that back it up with Scripture. There's very few that's been, you know, really uh, worked in with the Word of God in your own revelation. A lot of it is just, you know, because why? Because oftentimes when Christians bump into things, you know, we, we hit that wall, we've got a decision to make or something real difficult to do or we've got to be people of integrity, whatever. Nine times out of ten, people say things like, well, surely God would not expect. Or I'm sure God understands. And it can just be blatant disobedience. And it shows the Word of God is not part of their life because they're contradicting God's Word. You see, what God's Word is meant to do, it's meant to be a, a, a fortress for you, a strength, a foundation for you. So when you hit those difficult decisions, you actually have a strength in you to do what is right, to break through and see life come forth. Rather than just bouncing off one wall and bouncing off another wall, oh, it's not God's will, oh, this must be God's will, oh, he closed the door, oh, maybe he'll open the door, you know, you just get beat silly. That's not what it's about. That's not walking with God. That's kind of like anybody remember grade 9 uh, biology, the little paramecium, you know? They just kind of bounce off the walls everywhere they go. They just, they're just aimless, just bounce, bounce, and eventually, hopefully, they get there. That's not what we're intended to be, and yet for so many Christians, our basic understanding is, well, if it's God's will, it'll work out. If it's not God's will, it, it won't work out. Jesus said, no, the kingdom of God suffers violence. It allows for violence. And it's those who have an attitude of violence, who stand on the word of God with a firm grip, they are the ones who take it. They are the ones who possess the promise. They are the ones who discover breakthrough. They are the ones who overthrow the powers of darkness. Okay, well, once I identify, well, let me just back up quick. How are we doing for time? We've got to finish. Um, doesn't do us a lot of good to spend time in the Word if we don't ask, what does it have to do with my life? Let me give this real quick acrostic, space. Use this from time to time. You have a verse that stands out to you. What does space stand for? Number one, S, is there sin? If I'm reading the Word of God, is there something that shows me there's sin in my life, the light shines in my life? Is there sin that I need to confess? P, is there a promise that I need to believe for? Not just read and say, oh, that's interesting. No, Lord, is that your Word to me? I'm going to stand on that. A, is there an attitude? that I need to address or I need to change. As Laura mentioned, the Lord wants to get right to my heart. He's not going to let you off the hook and play the games. C, is there a clear command I need to take seriously? 
And E, is there an example that I see in the Scripture that I need to follow? Or is there an error that I need to avoid because the Scripture says that all of God's Word is written for us as remembrance, uh, for things to remember uh, for those who live in these last days. And once I identify a specific thing I know the Lord is saying to me, then I need to think about how I'm going to apply that in a way that is, next slide, that is personal, that is practical, that is uh, possible and provable. What I mean by that, if I read, for example, 1 John 4 and 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and those who love God are born of God and know God, right? Verse 8, those who don't love don't know God, for God is love. I can read through that and think, yeah, Christians are more loving. What's the problem with that? It's not very specific, right? Not very specific. What do I need to do? I need to make it, first of all, personal. Okay, Lord, you're talking about love. Do I show love? How do I show love? And maybe you can think of somebody in your office doesn't have love. You know, I need to show them love. Okay, I need to make it personal. Is there somebody? The Lord shows me somebody. Number two, is there something practical I can do, something meaningful for them? Maybe I discover that person is a Starbucks, you know, fan. Well, you know what? Maybe it's somebody nobody's talking to or nobody quite likes to irritate you. I'm going to try to build a bridge of love. So I'm going to buy them a Starbucks. But you've got to make it possible. I can't buy it every day. I go bankrupt. So I'm going to, once a week, buy a Starbucks for this person, whatever. And then, of course, make it provable. When are you going to do it? I'm going to start this Friday. Does that make sense? I know you're probably not writing this stuff down, but for those who are, it's just that simple. Why is it important? Why is it so practical? Because that's where we begin to really see lives starting to change, our lives changing in one area at a time. Friends, your theology, your revelation doesn't have to be profound. Or it doesn't have to be, remember the word heady? We talk about something being real heady, real intellectual, really profound. It doesn't have to be heady to be heavy. Say that. It doesn't have to be heady to be heavy. Okay, it can be a simple childlike truth that will turn your life around if you'll just do it. The Lord doesn't make it complicated. We are sheep. We're not that smart. Okay, the Bible resource we talked about are great tools. They shed a lot of light. But if you don't come back to asking what this has to do with you, your relationships, your marriage, your ministry, whatever it may be, then reading the Bible is just an exercise in futility. Jesus kept it real simple. What did he say? He said, you will know truth. I will reveal truth to you, and this truth will make you free. There is freedom that's found in the Word of God. But hear me, friends. It's not just found in the Word of God in the Scriptures. It is found in the hard work of extracting the truth from God's Word for your life and applying it as the Holy Spirit leads you. Dawson Trotman, I'll close with this. He's the founder of The Navigators, passed away a number of years ago, but a ministry, and he once said this, Thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and the fingertips. So whatever it is that you profess to believe, it actually begins to become a real theology in your life, a real belief, when what you profess to believe passes through your hands and passes through your mouth. What does that mean? When you have the courage to act on what God is showing you. How do you act on what God is showing you? I'm going to ask musicians to join me. How do you act on what God is showing you? You read the word of God, and you know what? You actually begin to confess sin that the word is showing you. That's what you begin with. You actually begin to, to uh, 
look for ways to put into practice what God has shown you. You actually begin to break down the word in a way that is being fleshed out in your life. That's how it begins to pass through your lips and your fingertips, and that's where real life changes happen. Through the word of God, God's word is alive to us. We're going to change the order of the service a little bit this morning. Uh, gentlemen, you can leave that there. Thank you. We're going to close in a song. We wanted to give opportunity this morning to, um, to have prayer. We want to have prayer with those this morning who are here, who are sick. We have a number of folks who have sickness in their body, who have aches and pains, and some who have surgery scheduled, and some have been hobbling along. We, we want to give you time this morning to, to receive ministry. So we're going to do that um, as we worship the Lord, and Pastor Christian is going to uh, lead us in worship, I believe. And uh, so we just want to invite you this morning, if you want to come, to receive some time in the Word. Uh, as we sing, if you need to slip out, you are dismissed. But I'd encourage you to take at least a couple minutes and just to quietly in the presence of the Lord. It's not about being condemned. It's just about freedom. But just in the presence of the Lord, saying, Holy Spirit, you know where I am when it comes to your Word. And so, Lord, I just give myself to you afresh this morning. And I pray that by your grace, you will help me Help me to open your word. Help me to read your word. Help me to be a student of your word. Forgive me for believing. That is not something I could do, could grasp, or whatever. But Lord, I want to begin to get in your word. We're concluding our theme on the word this morning. So uh, next week we'll start moving to some other topics. But uh, for, the first, for the new year, uh, if we're really going to live life on purpose, it begins with being students of the word. If we don't have the word of God in us, we will never know his purpose for 2017. We will never walk in his purposes. But if we will, as Laura was sharing, there just becomes a freedom. And there comes a joy. I love that word. It is so true. There actually comes a joy, a hunger for the word and a joy for what the Lord is showing you and for what the Lord is doing in and through your life. Because it's not just about what he's doing for us, is it? It's not just about making our life go better. It's making us ultimately ministering people who can minister the gospel to others, who can see people set free through the power of the word of God that we are able to use because we have a firm grip on the sword as we go through life. Amen. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that as we leave this place that your word would not depart from us. I pray, Lord, afresh there would come hope Afresh, oh God, this morning, there would be a sense of optimism and faith that we can be people of the word, that your word, oh God, can come alive in us and through us and change us and change lives around us. So Lord, I pray that your word would not be forgotten, but you would seal your word in our hearts right now as we leave this place in a few moments, Lord, and that we begin, Lord, to have an insatiable appetite for your word and ultimately, Lord, that leads us to a love for you that we would long for your presence and long, oh God, to bring joy to you as your word is lived out through us. And so, Lord, we just give ourselves to you afresh this morning, we pray. And now, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would release healing as we minister to those, Lord, who are sick and afflicted among us. We pray, oh God, for signs and wonders, Lord, you, you promised would follow the preaching of the word. We pray, Lord God, for miracle power just to flow. Lord, let your word come alive. Let your word come alive. In every need this morning, be met, I pray, in the power of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come and people we've asked to pray if you would come and join us at this time just along the front. I want to invite you this morning, if you're here and you have sickness in your body,
or you may even have a crushed heart and you just need God to minister peace and grace to your heart, we invite you to come as well. But I'm going to ask those who are ministering, will you come quickly and just uh, spread along, along the front of the altar here, make lots of room. We have a few more people. I'm not too sure where they are, but I think they're coming. Amen. If you have a need in your body this morning, we want to invite you to come. We want to minister to you in Jesus' name. God bless you. If you need to slip out, you're dismissed. If you have a need, come and receive prayer this morning.